Hello, Monty Adventures of Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And we're back this week to have a quick discussion about what we've been reading and some of our new arrivals that we've had. Um, Kate's been a bit poorly this week, I'm afraid. I have. Um, I think you can probably hear last time I was a bit sniffy, and I'm just sort of a bit sniffy again today. Um, but I've mostly got over not being very well, so that's good. Um, but just apologise, uh, apologies in advance if I sound a bit odd. And also <laughs> me, because I think your germs are now safely heading their way. Oh no, sorry about that. So shall we start off by saying what we've been reading, what we've yeah. finished? Okay, yeah. yeah. So what we've what we've just finished. Um, so I needed some light reading basically um, while I wasn't feeling that well. So, um, one of the things that I've just finished reading is a young adult, um, kind of thriller mystery type book called One of Us is Lying by Karen M. McManus. Um, so that is published by Penguin and it's, uh, she's an American and it's set in sort of California, that type of area. And the premise, I think, as I explained this last time, was that five students go into detention and only four come out alive. One boy dies during their detention. And then you have um, the four students, um, obviously, kind of become prime suspects uh, for the sort of guilt for his death, basically. So um, he is the this guy called Simon and he ran a, a sort of like gossip website sort of gossip app thing that uh, told stories about all the people in their school and it wouldn't name them but it would use people's initials and then um, it was like seen as sort of quite a malicious thing and so on so in theory there were lots of people who might have a motive um, but then he also died in quite a strange way um, he took a drink of water and then collapsed and it was like he was having uh, an allergic reaction uh, and it oh. turned out he was allergic to peanuts and there was peanut oil in the cup Ooh, that wow. he drank. Um, but yeah, none of the four students who were there with him were are admitting to doing it. None of them remember seeing anyone else put the oil in his cup. Um, so it's a bit of a mystery. I um, tried to guess this one, didn't I? Yes, you did. Well, don't tell me how well I did, but yeah. I won't. Isn't this a bit like Gossip Girl? Isn't there some sort of gossip thing? And Or are you thinking know? of Pretty Little Liars? Maybe. Uh, no, I thought... I've never seen either of those. But I thought I thought Gossip Girl was the one where she's an anonymous person telling secrets. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if anyway. that bit, yes, it is a bit like that. But if you imagine that person gets murdered, basically. Uh. Um it was a really fun read, actually, and it didn't end in quite the way I expected. I had guessed who it was before the end, but I had not got the reason, um, and I thought the reason was really interesting, actually, and it sort of goes a, a really fun way round, um, and I think it captures that pressure of school type thing really well. But, I mean, it, I do think whenever I read a kind of American high school type novel like this... I think there is definitely a difference between the way people are in American schools. <laughs> Certainly, you know, I've not been to one, but, 
you know, I've been to a British secondary school and it was nowhere near as sort of lawless <laughs> as the schools seem to be in American, um, you know, books and programs. It seems to be just like everyone for themselves. Um, I'd, yeah, I just don't know if you could sort of get away with the type of stuff. Well, know. we're going to, showing our age, but when we were when we were at school, our, our sort of knowledge of American um, high school would have been Saved by the Bell, Sweet Valley High. Yeah, and then I suppose thing. when we were a bit older, Buffy. Buffy and... Um, I suppose you didn't really see much school in the Dawson's OC. Creek? I never really watched Dawson's Creek. They were, there was quite yeah. a bit of school in... Well, Pacey had, no, had an affair with a teacher in Dawson's Creek. Which, so one, which one was Pacey? The one with the dark hair. A boy? Yes. Right, not the one that's James thingy. No. Anyway, right. Um, well, well done him then. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but none of it, none of it felt recognisable. No, it always, it always does seem very different. I think to British experiences. Not that British schools are all lovely, but that there just seem to be. I don't know. They seem to be very big. The students seem to be quite anonymous to people. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I do think. For this type of thing, um, American schools probably work better than British schools. But that might just mm. be me. I don't know. Well, we weren't allowed to watch Grain Chill or anything like that. <laughs> um. Um, no, because um, my yeah, my mum was a teacher. Your mum was a teacher. Yeah. I guess they didn't want more school once they got they, home. I think they'd had enough. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was good. It was a good. Yeah, movie. it was really enjoyable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was. It's not kind of. Perfect, perfect. But it was a really, really fun read. Really well plotted. Nice and quick. Um, yeah, good fun. So I finished uh, John Grisham's Camino Island, which I remember talking about when we were about 50 or 60 pages in. So first things first is I finished it. It's not a legal thriller. Mm-hmm. There are no courtroom scenes. There is no wow. plucky lawyer up against a big corporation as such. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much in the world of books and publishing and authors and things like that. And it was a lot of fun. It was to do with these five stolen F. Scott Fitzgerald manuscripts, the original manuscripts. And upon finishing this, I immediately went out and bought the complete works of Fitzgerald, <laughs> as I've only ever read uh, Gatsby. Great Gatsby, yeah. which you and I both read and really enjoyed. So I've got some short stories of, of his to delve into and things like that. Um, but yeah, it was, in terms of this, John Grisham, it was very much a very good page turner. It was set in a sort of a small, uh, well, commun- a small community on the island. So it was quite good fun. Lots of rather outrageous sort of characters. Um, and had a very satisfying ending. About halfway through, I was trying to figure out who did I actually want to win? Because the mm. whole point is they're trying to secure the manuscripts to go back to Harvard um, and they're being sold on the black market. Yeah. Um, but it involves some sort of, you know, betrayal of people and things like that. Uh, and I, I, I got the ending that I kind of hoped for, actually. Mm. So um, it's the first of two John Grisham's out this year, but it's very much a departure. But it kind of written in that trademark style. So I was thinking about what I actually wanted to do with it now I've finished with it. Um, I thought about I'd, I'd hold on to it and see if you wanted it, actually. I am quite intrigued by that, actually. Yeah, it so I wasn't going to give it away or give it to the charity shop. I actually thought you might want to... Cool. It's very quick, and it's 
you know, you've seen the John Grisham film, so you kind of know what to expect. Yeah. But then it's it's not actually what you expect. <laughs> it's not it's not sort of textbook John Grisham, which I still enjoy actually. Um, so yeah, that was what I reading, and I'm currently reading uh, for our Northern Lights reread. I am about sixty or seventy pages in, so. Yeah, I have to admit, I haven't quite started that quite yet, but I'm planning to start that very shortly. So, um, as well as One of Us is Lying, I also read um, a book called Sky Dancer, which was sent to me from uh, Oxford University Press Children's uh, Books. Um, that's by someone called Jill Lewis, and she has written a lot of kind of like animal related, sort of environmental. Um, related sort of books for I don't know around like 10 to 12 year olds I'd say um, and this one um, I think I probably wouldn't have been that as excited to read something set on safari or you know somewhere like that but this is actually set um, in the moorland of northern England and the main character is a boy who I think probably just just starting secondary school or maybe just finishing primary school it's not quite clear but around that sort of age and his dad has been sent to prison and his dad used to be a gamekeeper on mm. the local estate but he was filmed shooting a, a hen harrier right. and hen harriers are very endangered <laughs> in the UK there's no, you know hardly any breeding pairs left like and this is real that that's true um and you might have seen that lush last summer had a campaign where they had the bird sort of symbol in their windows oh, that and that was in support of hen harriers um so this is picking up on a real life environmental issue and um his older brother is like very angry and upset about his dad um so they're they're sort of falling there's like a family element to it as well um there's a girl that he's friends with who's the daughter of the local landowner um that his dad used to work for and there's also a new girl who moves in next door to him who um is from a town but she's very keen on conservation so it's sort of how that situation plays out basically um with his brother who's very angry and wants to keep up their dad's work and balancing that with um, kind of environmental law and the local community and whatever. I think my, maybe I've made it sound a bit dry, but actually it was a beautiful book, a really lovely, um, really lovely writing, really lovely description. And um, if there are children who are interested in conservation and um, wildlife and so on, I think this would be a really good, thing for them to read and I actually really enjoyed reading it as a grown up so yeah, oh, yeah. recommend that well, that's good so uh, we've also had some new arrivals now my next one might elicit some laughter from people <laughs> if you've been listening to us for a while and you've heard the now legendary here read this episode where uh, Kate and I Simon and Gav reviewed The Martian well you might be surprised to learn that I might even be reading tempted to read the new book by Andy Weir, which is called Artemis. Uh, this is out in hardback, I believe. Not out till November, but I've got it. I've got an electronic copy to read. So um, it's safe to say we didn't really like The Martian, as in Mark Watney. Oh, God. The, the, the plot of the book 
we all finished, and we all wanted to see what's happened, and it was a much superior film. But when it came to Mark and perhaps his characterization and his personality, it's safe to say we really didn't like him. I found him intensely annoying. Um, I, as I, I think I've probably said before, I kept reading to finish the book to see if he would die or not, basically. Um, and I, I would have been quite happy with that. And there were a few things that just really, really, really annoyed me. Like in NASA, the com- the communications officer is a woman. She's like practically the only woman in it, apart from the woman who sit, like young woman who sits and basically watches telly mm. um, to see if he's doing anything. Um, but yeah, the communications officer, like she's the only one in the room who doesn't know about this thing from Lord of the Rings and they all laugh at her and all this stuff. It just really annoyed me. So there we are. Well, you'd be pleased to know that uh, he now has a female protagonist. Right. In his next book uh, called Jazz Bashara. Right. Um, she grew up on the moon. Of course, she has a dark side. Well, sort of. Life on Artemis, the first and only city on the moon, is tough if you're not a rich tourist or an eccentric billionaire. So smuggling the occasional harmless bit of contraband barely counts, right? Not when you've got debts to pay and your job as a porter barely covers the rent. Everything changes when Jazz sees the chance to commit the perfect crime with a reward too lucrative to turn down. But pulling off the impossible is just the start of Jazz's problems, as she learns that she's stepped square into a conspiracy for control of Artemis itself, and that now her only chance of survival lies in a gambit even more unlikely than the first. Okay, so that's set like further into the future then than the martian uh yes because the martian was mostly pretty realistic apart from the fact that they'd landed on mars i mean in terms of you know it seemed like now yeah and he'd also put in an awful lot of science to try and convince us of that i mean too much science about growing potatoes in poo and things like that uh this seems a bit more on the fiction side of science fiction than yes. the science side yes yes so that seems fair to say you know, I'll wait and see. I don't exactly have enormously high hopes for it, but we shall see. But then again, I mean, The Martian was hugely popular. Loads of people really, really did love it. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, just because we didn't doesn't no. mean that there's anything wrong with it. And it doesn't mean that this won't be good fun. So we shall wait and see. I mean, I would be quite intrigued to read it because it's, it's kind of one of those things like when we were talking about um, The Da Vinci Code. I mean, I wouldn't say that that is an amazing book, but actually I still enjoyed reading it. So something can be not the best book in the world, but can still be enjoyable. Yes, and I'm probably still going to end up reading Origin if I can blag a copy of someone. <laughs> um, and the film Inferno is on telly right now, yeah. so that might be an Saturday afternoon with a glass of wine <laughs> job or something, yeah, not with, not going into it with the highest hope. So, uh, so yeah. So, have you had anything arriving? Um, well, you very kindly brought me home a copy of something which I'm actually reading at the moment. It's called Nevermore um, by Jessica Townsend, or more accurately, I think this is the first part of the Nevermore series, and this first one is called The Trials of Morrigan Crow. Um, and Morrigan is the main character. Um, so I'm just going to read you the description. Uh, Enter the wondrous world of Morrigan Crow and Nevermore, the most fantastical children's release of the year. That, so the publishers say. Um, 
Morrigan Crow is cursed. Having been born on eventide, the unluckiest day for any child to be born, she's blamed for all local misfortunes from hailstorms to heart attacks. And, worst of all, the curse means that Morrigan is doomed to die at midnight on her 11th birthday. But as Morrigan awaits her fate, a strange and remarkable man named Jupiter North appears. Chased by uh, by black smoke hounds and shadowy hunters on horseback, he whisks her away to the safety of a secret magical city called Nevermore. It's then that Morrigan discovers Jupiter has chosen her to contend for a place in the city's most prestigious organisation, the Wondrous Society. To join, she must compete in four difficult and dangerous trials against hundreds of other children, each boasting an extraordinary talent that sets them apart, an extraordinary talent that Morrigan insists she does not have. To stay in the safety of Nevermore for good, Morrigan will need to find a way to pass the tests, or she'll have to leave the city and confront her deadly fate once and for all. And the um, again, the, pu- the publisher says, perfect for fans of the Harry Potter series and his dark materials, this takes readers into an extraordinary world, setting hope and imagination alive. So that's, that's how they're sort of billing it. Um, I am maybe two-thirds of the way through... Um, and she's in the midst of doing these trials. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got really fun um, sort of characters and creatures. And it made me think of a, like a Studio Ghibli film, the way that she's uh, in, with Jupiter North. She's staying in this hotel that he actually owns. And it's a bit like if you open a door, there'll be something strange and un- right, unusual yeah. behind each different door. Um, the rooms... Um, learn you and learn your personality and adapt to fit you Mm. sort of like they personalise themselves to you Um, there's a giant cat so obviously (laughs) I'm a big fan of that Um, there's a vampire dwarf um, called Frank Frank the dwarf yeah there's there's all sorts of just kind of interesting and fun quirky things um it's a bit sort of gothic. There's a few nods and winks to things that I um, sort of recognise a little bit. Um, but yeah, most, mostly it's really original, really fun. I would definitely keep reading. Um, you know, if there's more books in this series, I would definitely keep going with them. I think it's great so far. Um, yeah. Right. Recommend. Excellent. Um I think everyone in the company got one of those. So, mm. well, thank, did, thank you very much for lending me did yours. The trick, yes. Uh, I've got one more that actually I bought. Um, I was reading a piece uh, in the New Yorker, and it was all about Philip Kerr and particularly the Bernie Gunther series. Um, quite oh, a long yeah. piece. I think it was in last week's issue or maybe the week before. Um, and this is so. I, I was so intrigued, and it's actually po- uh, published by my desk buddies at Quercus. I went out and bought it on Kindle. Um, so it's called the Bernie Gunther series and Lee Child describes him as one of the greatest anti-heroes ever written. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went out and bought the first book which is March Violets. Brutal ex-convicts or the Nazi elite. In Bernie Gunther's world it's hard to tell who are the real gangsters. Ex-Berlin cop and private detective Bernie Gunther is senior share of bad guys but when the worst guys of all are the ones running the show it's much harder to stay out of their reach. Hired by a wealthy industrialist to investigate the murder of his daughter and her husband in an apparent botched robbery, 
Bernie soon finds himself drawn into the complex, not to mention lethal, internal politics and corruption of the Nazi party. When Hermann Goering himself calls Bernie in with the task of him that throws his existing case into a whole new light, he must weigh up his hatred of the Nazis against his desire to stay alive. So if I read that this year, that's an early contender for the Simon Savage Award. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually just, well, yesterday technically, but just got um, a few other things from Oxford um, University Press Children's. And um, there are a few things that perhaps not quite my type of thing, but um, something that I just thought did look quite fun is actually a book called Living Dangerously, a Kala Blomqvist mystery. <laughs> so you can tell that's a, a sort of Scandinavian one as well. Um, but it's by Astrid Lindgren, who is the author of Pippi Longstocking. So I don't think many people are aware of these. And Pippi Longstocking, obviously a hugely well-known children's character, but um, that wasn't all that... Astrid Lindgren wrote she also wrote these um, mystery stories with a teenage detective well I think you'll find uh, a few people will probably have heard of Calais Blomqvist because that is the nickname given to the journalist in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo well there we are so yeah. that's, that is where it comes from he's, he's given that nickname as a when he was a plucky young yeah. journalists so things, a yes. lot and a lot of people won't know where that comes from no even though yeah. they've heard the name but yeah. that that's where because in sweden these books are really well known mm. um so this is um the second book of Callan's adventures but um i think there are another th- three um and uh Oxford University Press obviously kind of republishing these um, it says uh, perfect for fans of character led mysteries like uh, Murder Most Unladylike which obviously I, you know that's the Wells and Wong um, books by Robin Stevens which I think are great and Ruby Redfort have you heard of those books? Not that I'm aware of But no. I mean those are really um, really popular again with sort of 10 to 12 year olds or something like that um, it says, first written in the 1950s, now making its publishing debut in the UK. Uh, and Blomqvist is a young detective cut from the mould of literary heroes like Sherlock Holmes and Hercule Poirot. So if you are struggling for a sort of fun children's detective series, perhaps um, you or your child read the Wells and Wong books or Ruby Redfort or someone like that, perhaps they're a bit too young for something like um, Stormbreaker or whatever, perhaps those are a bit too grown up for them, this could be something else in the meantime. So um, it's by Astrid Lindgren, they're the Kala Blomqvist Mysteries, um, and there's one that's just called Master Detective, that's the first one, second one is called Living Dangerously, and the third one is The, the White Rose Rescue. Mm. So there we go, so that sounds really fun, I'm going to give that a go. So that's what I've been reading and what we've also been sent uh, in the last week. Don't forget we're doing our Northern Lights, uh, in my case, read, and in your case, reread. Yeah, I'm going to start uh, Northern Lights itself shortly. And then um, I think as I shared the picture on Instagram the other day, my three matching paperbacks have arrived. So I don't have to worry about spilling tea on my nice hardbacks or anything no. and then obviously you're very welcome to borrow them as well I will be. yes so far so good for me 
Yep, so if you yep. want to join... Actually, a couple of people are commenting on my Instagram photos saying that they're either rereading or reading for the first time um, Northern Lights at the moment. And so, obviously, there's other people with the same idea. So if you want to join in or if you are doing it anyway, let us know how you're getting on. You can send us an email, contact at adventureswithwords.com. We're also on Twitter, at Word Adventures. You can like our page on Facebook, and you can also head over to the blog, adventureswithwords.com, where you can leave a comment, and you can also leave us a voicemail. Yep, if you're on the front page, you'll see a little box um, asking you if you want to record a message. We love hearing from you, whether it's email or Twitter or uh, whatever it might be, but uh, if you'd like to hear your voice on our podcast, just leave us a voicemail there. Uh, also, head over to iTunes, and if you want to very kindly leave us a review... Oh, it's not called iTunes anymore, well, is Apple it? It's Apple Podcasts. Podcasts. Apple Podcasts. And uh, leave us a review, as it helps us uh, find more listeners. If you'd like to follow what I'm up to during the week, I am at Rob Chilver on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Letterboxd <laughs> for, for our films. And I'm not on Snapchat, but generally you can find me on at Magic Kitten in those places. At Magic underscore Kitten, I should say, in those places too. That's all for this week, and we'll be back uh, next week. Bye.